Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It was a beatdown Saturday. It was a beatdown Sunday. Even the games we didn't pick. Beatdowns. Yeah, right. They really were. And we're going to open up with college football this morning. Although the week of the NFL wasn't boring by any stretch, the stuff that happened on Saturday to me, was more important, more exciting, more interesting than what happened on Sunday because you're going to have a major, major shakeup in the college football playoff rankings because of blowouts, because of teams that not only lost in the current top four that we saw last Tuesday, they got their doors blown (laughs) off. Embarrassing efforts. That Georgia effort against Auburn, and I'm not taking anything away from the teams that won because it's so impressive. But if you're the number one team in the country and you're getting your ass handed to you like that, I mean, you're better than that. You should be better than that. And Auburn is rolling at a clip right now where you feel right now that nobody can stop them. But God knows what's going to happen because things are so fickle in the NFL. And then... Notre Dame in Miami at <laughs> night. I mean, you want to talk about walking into like whatever cliche, the buzzsaw or walking into a bee's nest. The woodshed. That place was ready to kick the snot out of Notre Dame and every Notre Dame fan in the country. They wanted to truck stomp the hell out of those helmets and that uniform and the tradition and the leprechauns and Rudy and they were feeling it all day and they just completely, they stuck them in the blender, they're putting a chain on, they were they, they were lifting their leg on them it was just it was unbelievable they, they lift their leg on them before they put them in the blender yes, give a little bit more sauce wow, what a what a absolutely dominant Let's start there since uh, me and my buddies on Inside College Football were trolled by Braxton Berrios who caught that first touchdown for the Canes. And it was an excellent catch, and the celebration was even better. Well, tell them what happened if they didn't see it. Well, he caught the touchdown in the corner, the end zone, right side end zone. It was a beautiful pass, beautiful catch. And then he uh, got up and put his arms behind him as if he was handcuffed. Uh, So we all know the uh, whole mantra of Catholics versus convicts, which I can't stand, the racial right. undertones that exist there. But he he uh, went there, and, and, and it was beautifully done. And even more so, his team played exceptionally well. That's the best they played all year. They'll tell you that. Been watching them all season long, have picked against them the last two weeks. And maybe I've learned my lesson because if they continue to play like that, it didn't look like Notre Dame belonged on the field with Miami. It, 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 it was reminiscent of the 2012 BCS title game Right down there in Miami, that same stadium, and it was Alabama, and it was Notre Dame back then, and you had pretty much the same outcome. Three turnovers doesn't help in the first half, and Notre Dame can do nothing. They had some opportunities that first drive, and they just didn't execute on those opportunities. You had uh, uh, Wimbush over to a receiver in the end zone. He was wide open, and you had some passes dropped. So they didn't take advantage of their opportunities, and then that turnover chain 
kept changing hands because everyone got in on the fun and they just swallowed up that vaunted Russian game. And, and folks, this was nothing against Miami, but you look at the facts, giving up 170 on the ground. You got a team that comes in that's averaging 320-something on the ground. You would think they would win. They were so overmatched, swallowed up by that Canes defense. Yeah, and the troll job that Brian was referring to, if you didn't see on Twitter by Braxton Berrios, he took a screenshot of inside college football with Brian and New Heisel and Randy and Aaron Taylor all picking Notre Dame. So it was a picture of those guys. And then Actually, the, Randy was the only one that picked Miami, but it hadn't come up yet. The right. screenshot he had didn't have Randy picking Miami. Well, that's unfair to Randy, yeah. but of course it looked better for what he was trying to do. So he put that up there with the caption, this didn't age well. <laughs> it was perfect. It really was. It really was perfect. And, you know, the the turnover chain, the swagger that they have back, you know, I can only relate it to one thing in my own personal experience in sports was when the Pirates hadn't gone to the playoffs in all those years, and I was there in Pittsburgh when they finally got back there in 2013, and it, they went into that wild card game against the Reds, and you walked into that building, and it was just like all this. Everybody was just waiting for that moment, and that's the sense that I had at this game. Was like it wasn't just the players; it was in the entire fan base. Everybody there, they were so fired up. They had been waiting yeah. for this moment for the longest damn time to really be back. And then the fact that you had people still not believing in them heading into the game and everybody's on Notre Dame and it's a home game, you just felt like they weren't going to lose from the second the game started all the way through the fourth quarter. And then obviously, I mean, it just got out of hand very, very quickly. And Notre Dame, as we see, you know, when they get down, they're turning the ball over and this turnover chain is working because it's all they do is turn the other team over. If they can't control the tempo, if they can't run the ball, then they're done. Yeah. Yeah, Wimbush is not equipped to bring you back using his arm. Defense tried to hold up as long as they could, but I love what Mark Rick did. He's going back to call and play something he had relinquished during his time there the last few years there at the University of Georgia. And he had an excellent game plan. He Speaking of that swagger, that quarterback, Malik Rozier, has that swagger. They employed his legs against that defense. He went unaccounted for, and you had what you had, especially there in that first half of that ball game. This guy brings that swagger. I've been saying all season long since he took over the reins at the at the quarterback position that he is more talented than their last quarterback, Brad Kaya, who decided it was time to go to the NFL. And I don't even believe he's on a roster now. I didn't think he should have entered the draft, but he did, goes undrafted. And maybe he saw the writing on the wall. Maybe he saw that, hey, this kid behind me is much, much better than, than I am. And, he, and, and, and Rozier brings that leadership. He brings that swagger. He brings that moxie. He has that feel about him where he just belongs. And, and so even though he had three turnovers last week versus Virginia Tech, defense allowed them to overcome that by forcing four of their own in this one. They forced three early turnovers, a pick six right before halftime, and they were off to the races. And Miami, without a doubt, when we see these college football playoff rankings come out, they will be in them. I don't imagine any way, oh. shape, or form that they're not. They'll be number three or number four. They got to be number two. I'd have them at two. See, I don't have, think that I'd they'll put Bama, them at two. I'd have uh, Miami. I, I would have Oklahoma, then I'd have Clemson. Yeah, I think, you know what, I think they're probably... I, I The way that the committee has done things to this point, I think they're going to end up putting Oklahoma at two. That's what I think they're going to end up doing, personally. But I could be wrong about that. And, and the way that 
you know, that game went and how much respect Notre Dame was getting by the committee at that point may vault them into into two, yeah. but you know, I, I I don't necessarily think that it will. I think it's yeah, gonna... Oklahoma knocking off another top six team uh, that definitely bodes well for them and, and the fashion in which they knocked them off. Even though even though they didn't do anything in the second half, the game was still uh, never in question. So yeah, I could see them sliding in the, the second spot. I would personally have it at this point. Miami's going to have more opportunities here. I mean, there's there's no doubt, obviously. Oh, with, yeah. with playing Clemson too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way I would have it Tuesday would be Alabama, Oklahoma, Miami, and Clemson. That's the way I would do it. And I don't know if that really matters at that point, but they they will be in it. I would have Wisconsin at five. Yeah, I understand the rationale there. Uh, that makes perfect sense. And, and speaking of Wisconsin, how 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 wrong was I on that one? Plus twelve. I, I took uh, Iowa in this ball game off yeah. the heels of that fabulous offensive and defensive. Uh, production versus Ohio State, and they do nothing. I think they had two first downs, all these turnovers in the ballgame. Nathan Stanley, the quarterback, had no turnovers versus ranked teams, 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and they got after him. They got after Akron Wadley, the, the running back. Defensively, they, they, those are the only points they scored. Josh Jackson had five interceptions the last uh, two two ball games, and he had two pick sixes in this one. Uh, so nothing whatsoever could Iowa do. That defense is for real. They're for Jim Leonard. Offensively, they I said Hornybrook would throw some picks. He threw a couple picks, threw yeah. the two pick sixes, and, and he's now gone seven straight. But defensively, they were good enough. Yeah, defensively they were unbelievable. And and Jim Leonard, by the way, there's a couple of shots of him on the sideline in that game. I mean, he's he's my age. He's 35. He looks 25 still. When they showed him, I mean, I guess because he was bundled yeah. up and he had the hat on, I was like, I was like, is that Jim Leonard? Like, I mean, it was like shocked at how young he looked. <laughs> Unlike our picks, he's aging well, right? Yeah, right. He, he, <laughs> cert- he certainly is. Uh, but yeah, the defense really won the game. And you know, the thing is, it's pretty obvious with Wisconsin that scares you is you run into a a better team. And you're throwing picks like that, and and Hornybrook. I mean, he wasn't you know just awful no. in the game. I mean, he made some throws. He made some hell of the throws. Um, so you don't want to say that, but it's just he's so turnover prone. I mean, it's like a consistent thing that you got to deal with him throwing a pick or two in the game, and it ends up turning out to be you know such bad throws that turn into the pick sixes. You know, I don't think you can get away from him at this point. I mean, he's a quarterback no. of an undefeated team, and I I don't know what you do. Um, but that, that's got to be a major concern for them. But, hey, they took care of business, and the defense was able to uh, to keep them in it. Now, the number one team in the country definitely had a scare. Christian Fourier, I was thinking of him <laughs> during this whole time because he swore that Mississippi State right. was going to take out Alabama. He got, I mean, he got pretty close, I and mean, there's no doubt about it. But the biggest thing with this Alabama team right now is the injuries that they have in the middle of that defense and the fact that they're not as good against the run as they've been in years past. And... That would be the major concern for me if I'm Alabama is are we going to run into a team that's just going to run the ball down our throats and we're not used to it and we're going to be able to handle that. Uh, you can't expect Alabama to just roll and roll and roll over everybody. So there's going to be a speed bump here or there, and they got a major one on Saturday. But when you look at the rest of the schedule, you talk about Auburn, you're talking about Georgia, and their run offenses when they're at their best. How are they going to be able to handle that would be my question. Well, they were excellent against the run coming into this ball game. Still number one in conference and, and right there behind TCU 
Uh, TCU went into Oklahoma, number one in the nation in that department. So they were rolling well as far as their run defense. Then they run into this one-trick pony, which was Mississippi State, and you got some new faces at the linebacker position. So I, I figured Mississippi State would be able to move the ball on Alabama, take quick early lead, you know, put three rushing touchdowns on him. No, that's something hadn't happened to, to – I don't think it has ever happened to Nick Saban defense. Or if it did, it was the first year he took over there in Tuscaloosa. So they had a good game plan. You knew what you were going to get with Nick Fitzgerald and that, that uh, zone read offense. And they had a chance to win where you can't – what you can't do versus Alabama. I don't care if they, they've got holes in their defense. I don't care if they got guys who are injured and some new faces out there, which they had the other night. You can't kick field goals. Mississippi State have been scoring touchdown after touchdown. They get down to their last series in the red zone. They have to settle for a field goal. At that point, I said, they're not going to win this ball game. They had a chance to win if they get in the end zone right then. It, it, but they, they had to settle for a field goal. That gets you beat versus Alabama. Great teams, good teams like this, perennial number one teams and, 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 and national championship teams like Alabama, you got to score touchdowns, no field goals, and they settled for a field goal. And, of course, Jalen Hurts takes them down the field and they win the ball game with a touchdown. I don't think Alabama's going to win the national championship this well, year. Well, I, I thought Auburn could hang with them at the beginning of the season because now they have a quarterback. Their defense was no fluke a year ago and we saw what they did versus Georgia. I, I I thought this would be a close ball game. I took Auburn. I think it was plus two and a half in this one, and I, I thought it would be a close one. But did I see them just stopping Sonny Michelle and stopping Nick Chubb in the manner in which they didn't? No, I didn't envision that, but they got after Jake Fromm. He had a play early in the ballgame, receiver wide open. He overshot him, and then they had the flea flicker where a player uh, receiver was open, but he couldn't see it because he was smothered by Derrick Brown and, and Montavious, or Marlon Davidson and, and, and Jeff Holland. So their defense is as advertised, even after that Clemson loss. Uh, I, I thought they were still a, a top 10 D, even after losing LSU. They got nothing from the offense in the second half. They're on the field the whole game. Still had confidence in that defense. But they shut down that offense of, of Georgia, and then they were able to run the ball. The two teams I feel best about right now, if I knew they were going to be in the playoff to win a title, would be Oklahoma and Auburn. Those are the two teams that I feel best about out of all these teams. And I'm the, I know that Miami, what they did to Notre Dame, I should be saying them. I probably should be saying Alabama, but it's just something about them this year that I'm that I'm not loving. Um, Wisconsin, we've talked about. I mean, undefeated. I would that would be one of the great stories ever. And it, and I love Paul Christ. I just don't see that happening. But the two teams that I re, I mean, nobody's hotter than Auburn in the way right. that they're playing right now. And Oklahoma, I think if you, you want to talk about the best single unit in the country <laughs> is that Oklahoma <laughs> offense. <laughs> Is so I mean uh, give me them in any game against anybody anywhere and I don't care offensively yes still some some holes in their defense uh, but I, I had Auburn and I had Oklahoma in my preseason playoff two of my uh, playoff teams so they're, they're still sitting there they're sitting there controlling their own destiny and of course you're going to get a rematch with somebody in that. Uh, the Big 12, which I think is stupid to have a comp. They bowed to pressure with this conference championship. Well, they kept stuff. getting locked down, well, man. Oklahoma got in when they got in. Baylor and TCU would get in, even though they were snubbed the first year of the college football playoff. I think it was this. This is going to do more harm than hurt, uh, if you ask me. So they they would have been fine to go ahead with their 12 ball games. And if you got 
brand names like Texas or Oklahoma in there, and even now TCU, they've shown that they have staying power. Last year was an aberration. So that being said, Auburn controls its destiny. Yes, you have the Iron Bowl in a couple of weeks. It should be a, a fun one uh, for us over on CBS. And, and then Auburn, if they win that, you get a rematch versus Georgia. I thought they may have shown – a little too much there at the end of the ball game when it was already out of question. You're going to win it to to, to Georgia, and yes, they were reveling in in, in in their work and what they had done. So we'll see if we get a rematch in the SEC championship game versus Georgia. Uh, so you know, Georgia, you, you got a chance to still get in. You control your destiny. Go out and and and, and getting that uh, conference championship game. If you can win that, whether it's Alabama or, or Auburn, you're going to be fine. You know you're going to be in there, and, and and so right now they're hurting, but. Uh, this thing, still a lot of work to be done. Wisconsin, they've got Michigan this week. Let's see what Michigan does. They've been playing better with this Brandon Peters, at quarterback. We know their defense is going to be uh, difficult to, to run against. So uh, still, even with a couple weeks left in the regular season, still some fun games to watch, and it will determine how this thing plays out. So the four that you have, I mentioned, I think it's going to be Alabama, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Miami and Clemson in that order. What do you have? Yeah, I have right now Bama, Miami, Oklahoma, Clemson, and then Wisconsin fifth. Yeah, Wisconsin's fifth yeah. right now. I, I may change it. I may even slide Wisconsin in there ahead of Clemson. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Go ahead and do that. You man. think I should? Be the guy. I told. I, I spoke to the Badgers fans during our show, our post-game show. You made a believer out of me, but I still may doubt you this week. Yeah, I know. It's tough, right? I mean, it you, is. Just, you just wish that they had a more steady quarterback play. That, and you could, at that point, you could pick them to win the whole thing. Right. You, you're right. And and we, we thought they'd be hampered on offense with Cephas, their number one receiver, being out. But this Kendrick Pryor shows up and shows out with a couple of touchdowns uh, in, in the ball game. So that, that was a thorough butt whipping they put on Iowa. Coming up next, we'll get into some of the NFL stories, including my conspiracy theory that oh, I feel one. really, really good about from Friday. But first, listen to Brian Jones. That's will right. Here's the deal. Relief factor is not just for former or present athletes. Not at all. It's for anyone struggling with pain. Yes, athletes, but also yes for anyone with back, neck, shoulder, hip, or knee pain, foot pain, hand pain, or general muscle aches and pain. You can be 30 or you can be 95. If you're in pain, I suggest you give Relief Factor a try. Can't guarantee it'll work. But here's a tip. Almost 80% of people who ordered a three-week quick start for only $19.95 go on to order it again. That's right. They ordered some more because it works. That's under a dollar a day to see if it can work for you like it did and currently does for me. And it's 100% drug-free. That's what I love about it. 100% drug-free. Honestly, if lowering or eliminating your pain for $19.95 sounds like too much money, then you must not be in too much pain. Order the three-week quick start for $19.95 at relieffactor.com. Go to relieffactor.com to order now. That's relieffactor.com. 800-500-8384. Give us a call right now. 855-212-4CBS. Andrew Bogish is with us. He's got a jam-packed sports update. What is happening, Bogish? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, they scored 24 points off special teams, and Tom Brady threw three touchdown passes for a rare Patriot win in Denver, 41-16, the final. Oh, great, man. Rob Gronkowski caught four balls for 74 yards, but those touchdowns went to Rex Burkhead, James White, and Dwayne Allen. The Patriots matching their own AFC record with their 12th straight road win, but just their fourth in 11 tries in Denver with Brady under center. The victory also gets Bill Belichick even with Tom Landry with 270 wins, the third most in NFL history. 
but Bill wants no hugs. To win games in this league, you need great players, and, and uh, I've been fortunate. I've had a lot of great players and a lot of great assistant coaches and great staffs. So um, that's really what it's about. The Broncos, meanwhile, have dropped five straight, and first-year head coach Vance Joseph says personnel, coaches, and scheme will all be reevaluated this week. The Cowboys began life without the suspended Ezekiel Elliott and were also missing injured left tackle Tyron Smith yesterday in Atlanta. It did not go well for Jason Garrett's boys. Next man up philosophy is alive and well. So that's your, that's your job. Uh, that's your responsibility as a member of this football team and as a pro football player to be ready to go play. And, uh, you know, we didn't handle the adversity of the day. The Falcons rolling 27-7 with Adrian Claiborne sacking Dak Prescott six times. Matt Ryan threw two touchdown passes. Tevin Coleman ran for one. After Devontae uh, Freeman suffered a concussion, the Saints steamrolled the Bills in Buffalo 47-10. For their seventh straight win, the Rams thumped the Texans 33-7. The Niners down the Giants 31-21 for their first win of the year. Tennessee got by Cincinnati 24-20. Minnesota won in Washington 38-30. And the Bucks snapped their five-game skid 15-10 over the Jets. Butch Jones finally out as Tennessee head coach. The Vols 0-6 in the SEC this season after a 50-17 loss at Missouri Saturday, D-line coach Brady Hoax in charge for the rest of the season. Paul George dealing last night against the Mavs. Crossing over twice, George elevates, fires the wing, three, cha-ching, another PG-1-3 money ball. How about 37 for George tonight? A new single game high for George in a Thunder uniform. Seven trays. Timeout, Mavericks. Matt Pinto on Thunder Radio. Those 37 points and seven threes in a 112-99 decision over Dallas. The Rockets blew out the Pacers, 118-95. And the Celtics got by the Raptors in the afternoon, 95-94, for their 12th straight win. And on ice last night, the Lightning won their fourth straight, 2-1 in Anaheim. The Caps got by the Oilers, 2-1 in a shootout. All Best right, friends. Bogish. Thanks, man. We will uh, see you in an hour. One of the picks I did get right this weekend was the Patriots over the Broncos, and it was non-competitive, sort of like I expected. But on Friday, I told you that this Martellus Bennett thing, there's something <laughs> something up with that. And I had seen it before with the Steelers and LeGarrette Blunt when LeGarrette Blunt got himself cut because he left the field when he never should have and then left the facility in the middle of a game and Mike Tomlin had no choice but to cut the guy. And and, and then Martellus Bennett finds himself cut by the Green Bay Packers in bizarre fashion about non-disclosing an injury. And then he all of a sudden ends up on the New England Patriots. And not only does he end up on the New England Patriots, he passes his physical and he plays last night. Mm-hmm. So you told me that if he was in the lineup and he played and he played well, that you'd start to believe me. No, I did not. Yes, you did say no, that. No, I don't recall saying that. Yes, you, you did. You sure about that? I am now, positive. I, I believe Martellus Bennett when he says he got the call from Belichick. He said, let me think about it. Now, if there was a conspiracy afoot, he would say, let me think about it. He'd been on the first plane out. Of, of Green Bay. They're just to... trying to throw you off their scent. I, is that what it was? That's exactly uh, what it is. Uh-huh. Now let's listen to Martellus mm-hmm. Bennett explain what happened, and I'll tell you why all of it is bull crap. <laughs> it's not about could you play, it's should you play. You know, it was one of those things. So um, right now I'm just like, it. so, I mean, when Bill called me after they said, I, um, after they claimed me, at first I told my agent to tell him no teams to claim me because. I was still trying to get the surgery or whatever. So um, <clears throat> when Bill called and said that they claimed me, I was like, no f- way. And then 
he was like, uh, so what's going on? And I told him, and then I was like, he's like, you know, we had a quick conversation, and I was just like, let me think about it, let me call you back. Now I don't even know if I went through the state, seven stages of grief yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably on step, step three, but um, I think the, the group of guys in this team, or, you know, it couldn't be a better place for me to really, you know, with what I'm going through right now with that situation, it couldn't be a better place for me you know, all the familiar faces and friends and things like that. So it's been good to have those those guys around. So, you know, Tom texted me and asked me what I was doing. I was like, I'm dropping my daughter off at school. I'm just a stay-at-home dad right now. So, which was kind of cool because I never really got, I got to drop her off two days in a row and I got the, <laughs> and I read to her class, you know, I got to pick her up from school and, you know, walk the dog through the neighborhood and do normal people for a couple of days. And I was just kind of like, I was like, I don't know. And he's like, I was like, I'm intrigued, you know, that was pretty much it. And then that's pretty much all that happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm a, I'm like, uh, yeah. And I'm like, I believe Gio now, okay? Because I'm like, what? Yeah. Why weren't you rehabbing that torn uh, rotator cuff? And why didn't they ask you about the, the rotator cuff? And if the rotator cuff was torn, you went out and had three catches for about 40 yards last yeah. night. I was like, he doesn't look hurt to me. Well, there's a couple of things in there and the I was like, he was like stuff was, mm-hmm. was insufferable in that in that quote. But <laughs> um, there is a couple of things in there. First off, it was, first I told my agent to say nobody claim me because I was going to go get the surgery. That's what he said in that statement. Yeah. So this is the genius of this plan mm. is that because there's all these other teams that could claim Bennett and the same thing with Blunt is the actions that they do, they make them undesirable mm. to everybody who's not in on the plan. Mm-hmm. Who wants LeGarrette Blunt, this malcontent who can't even stay on the sideline? He's not a team player. Right. The guy who can't even stay on the sideline. And it's all about him. The Steelers? Like, are you kidding me? And then, of course, the Patriots. He can't up. get along with the Steelers. Who can he get along with, right? Like you, you would yeah. think. I mean, Mike Tomlin yeah. in a relationship with his players, one of the best in football. And look uh, at that. And, and if you have a torn rotator cuff, which I've suffered, unfortunately, you can barely raise your arm. Yeah. Let alone catch a pass. And he's going to go get surgery. So I told my agent, have nobody mm-hmm. claim me because yeah. I'm still getting the surgery. And then Belichick called, oh, and then claimed him. And he was like, oh, no way. And then the whole explanation, you know, people say when there's over-explanations, that's when you know someone's lying. Mm-hmm. And then I'm taking my daughter to school, and then I'm walking a dog, and then I'm doing this, and I had oh, to think I'm about it. Oh, I'm just a regular old person for a couple of days. Bull crap. And I told Belichick to hold on. I'll get back to you. Who tells Belichick to hold on? I'll get back to you. Yeah, nobody. No one. Nobody. You're packing your bag. You said the hell with the bag. I'll buy clothes when I get there. It's genius. I'm telling you, it's absolutely Damn. genius. And you could not convince me otherwise that this wasn't something that was in the works. I hate you. <laughs> I'm telling you. Maybe on to something. I knew it immediately. <laughs> I knew it. Um, so whatever at this point, they were able to pull one over on us again. Uh, the New England Patriots. It really is so smart. And they go out and just stomp the Broncos, who are terrible. Oh, and the Broncos just need to pack place, it up. Man. Did you see Brock Osweiler... Uh, throw the ball out of bounds and clock that poor dude on the well, sidelines. That's that poor in the head. dude's fault. I know. I never said it was Osweiler's yeah, fault. I did see that. I, I feel bad for that. That's like being at a baseball game and not paying attention. You have to pay attention on the sideline, man. I mean, that guy was so far away from the action, but you still got to pay attention. Yeah, but the quarterback just... scrambling and he's trying to get out of harm's way. He doesn't want to lose the yardage. Of course, he's going to throw it to the sidelines and and and. And and live to play another down, and and you're not paying attention over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was. I think that left a mark. 
Right, there's no doubt about it. If, if you didn't see it, we'll tweet it out Oof. at Gio and Jones on Twitter. Gio and Jones. I mean, it really is just the perfect symbolism yep. for Brock Osweiler and the Broncos <laughs> last night. Even <laughs> when he's trying to throw the ball away, someone gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of concussion issues I wanted to bring up early in the show today. One was Jacoby Brissett, mm-hmm. who leaves the game. He does go into the tent. He gets evaluated. And they said that he had he was cleared to go back into the game. And then after the game, had more concussion symptoms. And they said that he didn't show himself until later, which is something that I have heard before. So that's not something that is totally uncommon or made up where a guy doesn't like right away right. you don't notice it and then later it, it starts to happen um but you would think that this concussion protocol would there's something would say all right let's wait just a little bit longer to see you know if a guy really does get hit and the other one was Devonte freeman yeah. where Devonte freeman gets you could see he gets hit in the head he fumbles anthony the ball hitchens right away mm-hmm. and you could tell he was sort of knocked out but then i believe it was thomas davis tweeted out he goes Devontae Freeman was concussed in the game last week against us, he said. And he shouldn't have been playing in that game. And then this happened this week. It's a wow. scary It's a scary situation. Now, let me get the well, exact tweet. I'm sure tweet. Uh, Freeman and the Falcons aren't happy that da- Davis put that out there. But he was clearly out. And, and prior to Ed Hockley, I believe that was a referee in the, in the Cowboys uh, debacle there. Uh, prior to him... Going over and, and helping direct Devontae Freeman to the sideline, there was the other uh, referee uh, in the in the back there uh, with him who saw it and saw him looking wobbly. You could see he was woozy from that hit by Hitchens. I mean, that was a heck of a strike, and it was helmet to helmet, and but it was legal, and you could you could tell from even from my vantage where you could tell okay uh, this guy's not right as he's trying to get up and get back to the huddle and both referees helped usher him to the sidelines matter of fact blew the play blew the whistle and and the clock dead and 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 made sure he got to the sideline so here's the thomas davis tweet i mean and this is something that if you're tweeting this out and you're thomas davis you know that people are going to be talking about it. like mm-hmm. this isn't an under under the radar right. thing right he said the hitchens hit didn't knock freeman out he was concussed in our game last week and should have been taken out. Scary sight, but praying he's good, though, is what wow. he said. Yeah, I, you know, a member of the fraternity looking out for another member of the fraternity, and he's seen it, and unfortunately for him. He deleted, for him. It. He deleted oh, yeah, it. I'm sure he did. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the league and, and the Falcons are not uh, happy about him deciding to put that out there, but he's seen it up close and personal with his buddy Luke Keekley, uh there at linebacker for the Panthers. Yeah. No, he, uh, that's not his place to put that out there. Uh, that's on the Falcons. So, yeah, I'm sure they're upset. Now you're going to have more people, uh, more prying eyeballs. And, and I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong, but you're going to have more people investigating this to see whether or not he did suffer a concussion last week and continued to play or they took him out and, and he passed all the, the necessary uh, protocols and, and they felt like he was ready to play again. But it's, that was a solid – that was just oh, no, right yeah, on right. the temple. Right. And it's, it's very, very hard to – be able to police this stuff. I know people think it should be easier, but I really do think it's hard because then if you get, like, think about it. First of all, you got all this action happening in the game. And it's like, I know most people haven't been on the sideline during either a college or pro game, but it is just like chaos half the time, you know? So you got all that going on where, like, a coach can't go over there and look at a guy. Then you got the doctor going over there, but the doctor works for the team. Again, the player's got a lot of pull, especially if it's a star player. Then you're telling me it's an independent guy, and then the independent guy is going to be looked at 
with you know um, with a side eye from everybody on that team because they're like, all right, who are you really working for? And like, mm-hmm. you're going to tell me I can't play? You know, are you kidding me? Like, how do you have the authority to do that? No, this is. I mean, this is never going to get to a place where everybody's happy with uh, well, it. Well, no one's going to be happy with it. But I would disagree with you as far as everyone looking at that team doctor or the independent person who's in charge now with assessing uh, should a player come out and be checked. Uh, you know, they looked at him with a jaundice eye. Yeah, but I think now everyone's well aware uh, that uh, this guy can, is, is beyond reproach. If he says he needs to come out, he's coming out, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna live with whatever his decision is. And, and I just it's interesting you bring that up because I just had this conversation with Les Miles last week when he was on the set with us, and we were talking about concussions and and uh, whether or not. The old school coaches, like himself, grew up, you know, playing for and coaching with Bo Beckler. Whether or not uh, he has trouble ad- adhering to whatever the doctor or that independent person says about a player, he said, "No, we've wiped our hands clean of it. It's it's out of our control. Whatever they decide, they decide, and we move on from there." And, and so I, they've come to terms with that. Now, as far as Jacoby Brissett, uh, you're right. Sometimes the the effects of that hit. The effects of a concussion, they don't surface. They don't show themselves until later. You could be sitting at home well after the ball game, and then you, you feel dizzy or you have headaches or you know something uh, something bubbles up. It's like, what is this? And, and I'm not feeling right, and, and it, it can be as a result of uh, that concussion, but it doesn't manifest itself till much later. Yeah, I had a friend who concussed himself over the summer last summer, and he hit his head. He was being an idiot. He was sitting on the boat, not the way he was supposed to, and then fell backwards and hit his head. And he got up, and he was like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. And then drove home. There was nothing wrong with him. And then the next day, took a shower, got out of the shower, and then collapsed on the ground and had no idea what the hell happened to him. I mean, that was a full day later. Right. So I've I've seen that happen, and that's not – I mean, there's many, many examples of that. So I can't – I don't know. I wasn't there with the little light in Jacoby Brissett's eyes. I don't know what happened there. But that isn't like something that's just an excuse that people throw out there because no. that is medically something that can happen. All right, coming up next, who's good, who's not in the NFC? And unbelievably enough, if the season ended right now, the Minnesota Vikings would be the two seed <laughs> with a bye. Mm-hmm. Unreal. We're coming right back. It's Geo and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You've got some 7-2 and two teams mm-hmm. in the NFC. 1-8-1 mm-hmm. team. And an 8-1 and one team in the Philadelphia Eagles. Hate them. Who are, I think, head and shoulders above these 7-2 and two teams personally at this point. Maybe not the Saints, actually. No. Maybe. Maybe. I can't say that they are head and shoulders above the Saints. I'd still take the Eagles in that matchup, but they're not head and shoulders above them. Uh, the Rams are, are beating up on some bad teams, but they're doing it in such dramatic fashion. I mean, yep. they are yep. they're doing what you should be doing right. to bad teams. <laughs> so I don't want to dismiss that. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going to rank the eight and one, seven and two teams, and this does pain me because I'm very, very proud of the way that this Minnesota Vikings team has played, even though it all fall apart in dramatic and disgusting fashion, like it usually does for them. Um, but. It would be the Eagles one, it'd be the Saints two, it'd be the Rams three, and the Vikings four yeah. out of them. And and mainly, you know, I think it's it's because even though Case Keenum was unbelievable on the road against the Redskins, I just don't know if 
I can trust that. And then Bridgewater, I mean, hasn't played in over a year. It comes down to you talk about Carson Wentz, you talk about Drew Brees, and and the way that Jared Goff is playing. My goodness. I mean, this guy is just off the charts. Get but a little coaching, man. It it helps a lot, doesn't I, it? I know, especially if you got a good one and a young one. I mean, they should just sign him to about a 50-year contract right now. <laughs> and even though he'll get it, trust me, uh, he'll get his 50, 60 million, if not more. Uh, the Vikings, interesting that they, they knock off the Saints early, the first game of the season, and now that Saints defense, man, they are playing with so much confidence. Watch them yesterday just thwart any and everything Tyrod Taylor and, and the Bills wanted to do, keeping them in check, playing with so much fervor. Uh, it's like the Dome Patrol is back, and they can play in the cold weather up north here, and, and that was fun to watch. But I, I think I agree with you. I, I would put the Vikings just slightly ahead of them, even though in the head-to-head matchup at the beginning of the year, uh, two different teams we're talking about. Sam Bradford played in that, but of course he's not playing now. Keenum looked good yesterday. He tried to give it away, throwing balls up, and and, and DJ Swearinger uh, there to pick off two of them. Uh, but other than that, he came back that next drive and threw a dime between the middle of the defense to keep a drive going and, and essentially helped them to seal the, the fate of, of Washington there. So they're playing good. Minnesota Adam Thielen was just all over the place. He was outstanding in the celebration. Was that the leapfrog yeah, they did? Leapfrog, that, that, yep. that, that was cool. But the Saints, six rushing touchdowns. Uh, I don't think the four years I was with the Saints, I don't think we had six rushing touchdowns. And they do it in one ball game. And Breeze doesn't throw a touchdown pass. Uh, that was just just sick. And I'm going to push back on you on the Rams, man, because they go on the road and they beat Jacksonville, a team that's playing better, and, and, and won yesterday. Uh, and they went to Dallas and knocked off uh, my, my Cowboys as well. And I know they're reeling right now, and we'll get to that game. But I, I think the Rams are for real. They can stay healthy on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think they're a, they're a team that will you have to you definitely have to uh, reckon with. Yeah, and I'm not saying that you're not. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that I can't put them ahead of either the Eagles or the Saints no. at this point because they've got three 30-point wins, and, and all of th- those are against bad teams. And I, I still think they're very, very good. There's no doubt about it. I put them ahead of the Minnesota Vikings at 7-2. and two. Um, I just can't. I just think this, the, the Saints are better. You've got to give Drew Brees a ton of credit to be able to recognize that they have to lean on that run game and be a total team player and not be someone who's pushing back at all going, I still got it, I still got it, let me throw the ball Mm -hmm. 15,000 times a game and let me get it down the field. And Brandon Cook's not being there too, I feel like has been a real help for them because having a guy with that type of speed on your team when you're playing in a dome, sometimes you end up forcing the ball down to him in situations and you feel like, remember he had zero targets one game last year and he was all bitching about it and it just... It was a weird situation, and now I mean, now you just have it's just it's it's winning by committee on that offense. You know, it's Ingram, it's Kamara, it's yep. Breeze, it's Michael Thomas. I mean, they're just it's Ted Ginn who has been really really good for them. So, and that defense, you're right. I mean, my goodness, I don't know how it happened and that turnaround happened because it looked like it was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think Lattimore's a big part of that. He's a big part, and Dennis Allen, a defensive coordinator, and also Big Rankins. Uh, remember, he was the number one pick out of Louisville a couple years ago. I think he broke his leg his rookie year, and now the way he's playing, had an interception yesterday. Uh, so they've got some young players, and they've coached these guys up, and and they're playing as such. Uh, it's, it's once again, it looked like the Dome Patrol. I was thinking this is Dome Patrol. They go up there, and I, I think Buffalo wins this ball game. Uh, what was that line? I think that was a plus. Or minus three and a half. Uh, let's see, what did I have? Buffalo plus three. 
Uh, New Orleans was favored, and Buffalo was at home. I had them plus three, and they did nothing. They couldn't even sniff the end zone. Yeah, and now there's a situation in Minnesota where they thought once Bridgewater was healthy with Sam Bradford going on IR that it was a no-brainer that you would go to Bridgewater because he was a Pro Bowl quarterback the last time that we saw him play. Uh, But... Case Keenum with 60,000 touchdowns and 400 yards uh, (laughs) passing yesterday has changed that. So to me, this is a simple answer, but let's listen to – all right, I'll give you my answer first. We'll listen to Mike Zimmer. But my answer is you play Keenum until he's not the best option. Right now he's the best option. And if he starts playing himself out of the job, then you go to Bridgewater. I don't think you can just go – to Bridgewater no matter what. I mean, I think it's pretty easy to figure that out. Let's listen to what Mike Zimmer said. I've got a plan, and uh, we'll just see how it goes. Sometimes plans change, but uh, we'll see how it goes, and uh, we'll sit down this week, and we'll visit about it and kind of go from there. It sounds like to me that the plan was to go to Bridgewater at some point. I think the plan is to stay with the hot hand, and that's Case Keenum out of West Texas, Brownwood, Texas. Way to go, Case. And I, this guy's been a journeyman in the league, but I, I think you stick with him. As I said, he, he was throwing uh, great balls, finding Adam Thielen time and time again the other day. Stephon Diggs back in the, in the fold found him. Uh, and, and then he had those two ill-advised passes in which Swearinger picked them off. But other than that, he bounces back, gets out of harm's way, and and throws for a first down. I think that was stealing again. I may have been Rudolph the tight end, but uh, I, I think you stick with him. I think that's the plan. I'm sticking with this guy. He hit 72% of his passes yesterday. You know, all the other games he started, he's been right there in the 60s or mid-60s. So I'm staying with him. 11 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Yeah, he's been extremely he's good. He's my guy. And, and these guys, I know they're not the biggest names in the world, but if I mean, you could put their resumes up against anybody right now at wide receiver position, I mean, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. I mean, they're just, yeah. I, I mean, Thielen's a guy that. I mean, Isn't he I, the only guy averaging five receptions, at least five yeah, receptions a game? He's unbelievable. Yeah. And the guy is on, and he was, they were tearing up that Washington secondary yesterday. So, I mean, good for that. And and, and what allowed him to tear it up as well, because the one long catch Dillon had, uh, Case Keenum able to buy some time. He's scrambling back there. Uh, he, he's using his athleticism, and, and that's uh, forcing the secondary to plaster and try to scramble to find wide receivers. And Josh Norman gets there just late as Dillon holds in a long pass from Keenum. And then the pass... Uh, the touchdown, one of the touchdowns he, uh, uh, Thielen had, man, with outstretched arms. He put it where only his guy can make a play on it. I mean, Keenan has been throwing some dimes. So I, I think the plan is this is my guy until he falls apart, and I don't see that happening. Now is the time, ladies and gentlemen, to get on the phones. We opened up with college football with everything that happened on Saturday, and it's your turn to talk to college football superstar analyst Brian Jones on open phones with Jones. Anything you want, what happened to Georgia and Notre Dame, where Miami should be in this college football playoff, Wisconsin, the fact that Butch Jones finally got fired, all that's on the table, or a question about your favorite team that maybe we don't talk about enough and you want to get on the air, now's the time to do it. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Lines are wide open for you. Get on it. Calls next on Geo and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.